How you doing, bro? I'm glad to be on the ride with you. What kind of car are we driving? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for stopping by the Stuber Podcast. I am your host, Stu Briggs slash driver. Today, we're going to take a road trip and explore how to jumpstart your entrepreneurial journey. And joining me is my co-pilot, Martin A. Briggs. He and his wife, Kayla L. Briggs, have been investment partners for the last two decades. Their investment portfolio, Ulex, consists of companies and real estate holdings. That being said, he's also my brother. So you're in good hands. Hop in, buckle up, let's go for a ride. Oftentimes when we talk about business success or organizational success or professional success, I think the world believes that you have to be really great at the business. And so you meet a lot of people really, really good at business and they're very, very successful, maybe financially, maybe they have a large team. But then when you look at their personal life, oftentimes it's in shambles. Mm -hmm. My perspective of production is different than most by a lot. Something always suffers when you're in business. Typically, this thing called quote unquote balance, in my mind, doesn't actually exist. One suffers because of the other. Either your business is going to suffer because of your personal life or your personal life will suffer because of your business. So I choose to actually make my business suffer as my personal life is much stronger. Hmm. And I really believe that your personal character and your personal habits mean more than anything. For me, production starts with a morning routine. Mm -hmm. Uh, production starts what I have called the big six. They all start with a W. So worship, the word, mm -hmm. uh, work out, mm -hmm. Wheaties, or what am I eating? <laughs> the wife. And if you have children, it'd be wife and the kids. Mm -hmm. After all of those things, I then begin to work, if you will. But I always make sure that my worship goes first. I'm praising the Lord in the morning. I talk to the Lord first before I do anything. Mm. Secondly, I always make sure I get some word in, whether that's reading the scripture or I'm reading a book that has something to do with scripture. And then I make sure I get a workout in, try to do these things every day. And then my, what I'm eating. And now as we're getting older, we just can't eat whatever we want. And we have to be intentional to make sure that we plan our eating schedule out, mm. which for me, that can be Difficult. Otherwise, you end up going to restaurants or eating out more than you should. So after that, I then make sure that my wife is good. I check in with Kayla and make sure that all of her needs are taken care of and listen to her and talk to her. We have a good conversation. Hmm. And again, if I had children, I would include wife and the kids. That makes sure that I'm starting my day in order. And then I begin to work, which also for me includes cleaning up the house every single day. That way I don't have to clean up a whole bunch at one time because every day. I clean up the house, mm -hmm. which means it's not such a big thing. And then I begin to work. Wow. Mm -hmm. The six W's. The big six. We talked about having a personal life that, you know, is on the up and up and then mm -hmm. starting the day off a certain way, which definitely puts you in the right frame of mind. Then when you get to work, are there any productivity protocols that you have for yourself or for others? Yes, for sure. And again, I think 
my viewpoint is from an entrepreneur's perspective. And so if you're an employee, it may look a little bit different. And it's challenging because when you're an entrepreneur or investor, no one is there to tell you what your day is going to look like. You, you start the day when you believe you start the day. You end the day when you believe you're in the day, which means I have to make my own rules, encourage myself. There's no penalties if I don't show up to work. I have to set my own perspective. So what are some principles I use at work to be successful? First is by not having a whole bunch of stuff that I have to do. If you want to be great, then have fewer things that you have to do. So I don't have a large list of obligations. And the goals that I have, I have very few goals. I have very few tasks that I have to complete in a day. The one amazing thing about the Lord Jesus when he came to the earth, he literally built the church within three years. He never needed a whole life. He just learned. For three years, he worked. Then he left. For someone to accomplish what Jesus accomplished, they would need an entire 80 years, 90 years to make that happen. And so uh, production starts with having fewer needs, fewer tasks that have to get done and working on very large goals. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, arguably he built the largest organization. I look at it from the business perspective. There is not one person who has more land under ownership than Jesus himself, because he has all of the money stored in the church as well as the land. He is the wealthiest person in the world, even though he's not here. What's more pimp than that? He's building without even being here. <laughs> and that's the basis of investors <laughs> is yeah. how can I increase without doing the work? That's a pimp. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, that makes so, a lot of sense. How can I increase without actually doing the work? And that's what he's doing. Yeah. I like that. And then probably the last thing I'll say is you have to know what I call your big rocks. And I have to give a lot of credit to this, to my pastor, Chris Hodges at mm. Church of the Highlands. Mm. When I'm at my most productive, I always know if I can get these three things done today, I will have moved all heaven and earth if I can just do these three things. And if I get these three things done, whatever else happens in the day, I was maximally productive. Let me say it another way. Most people define production by how many hours or minutes that I put into something. An entrepreneur or an investor has to define on what things that I accomplish that move the needle. Jesus spent his time on really just three things. He spent time on healing, he discipled, and he built relationships. Mm -hmm. You tell me what he did outside of those three things. He already knew what his assignment was. He knew that he had to heal. He knew that he had to build strong relationships, and he discipled. And so those are three things he spent most of his time every day being productive. Mind you, he also did his big six. He started the day in prayer. He discipled himself first. And then last, he had to jump on the cross in order to make all this thing work. He did very little outside of that. Deep insights. Kingdom insights. How you asked. I wouldn't plan on getting this deep. I wasn't planning on it. You oh, asked. Man, man, that's why I said we, we're, we're going to dive deep. So let's look at another aspect of being a successful person, entrepreneur, and that is the importance of setting boundaries. What are some ways that you set up boundaries for yourself and for others that you work with? I'm going to steal a page from Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? The oh, film? yeah. Doc Rivers. Yeah. 76ers. 76ers. Yeah. He's coaching the 76ers right now, right? I think they just and let him go, if, but 
we'll still take tips from his book. Doc Rivers? I think I'm going to check that right oh. now, but I think. Wait a minute. I just watched him lose the playoffs just the other day to Boston. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know he got fired. Literally just watched that game last night or the night before. I'm going to check. Well, I'm not going to quote you, but I will say one of the things I love about Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers loves trust. That's one of the things he talks about all the time with his players. We have to trust each other. And you have to think about it. Kayla and I, my wife, your sister, we have been working together literally 24 hours a day. We see each other every day. We're in each other's face all the time. And we've been doing that for nearly a decade. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we are 50-50 partners, not just in marriage, but literally she owns half the company, I own half the company. And oftentimes, even in work, she's doing half of the work and I'm doing half of the work. And we also have several employees as well that work for us. And I think if I had to really narrow it down is you have to trust each other. You have to know each other's lane, what you're gifted at, define it really, really well, and then let that person run in that lane. And then that obviously means let me run in my lane. In order for that to happen, you have to have trust. You have to trust each other. And I can go on and on about that, but that's probably the greatest way to create healthy boundaries is to trust each other and to respect those boundaries. How do you communicate that without Hmm. having a fallout? A lot of that has to do with the level of influence of the person you're butting heads with. Like how much influence do they have over you? Exactly. How much influence do you have over them? Many entrepreneurs are solo entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, or they may work on a small team. And the advantage of working on a small team or working for yourself is you can get stuff done the way you want it and get it done. You can move, boom, get it done. But as you start to expand, which is kind of where my life is going right now, it's very difficult to expand and not delegate. And so you have to learn how to delegate. And then going back to your point, well, what happens if you can't trust each other? You've got a person on the team and they're not being as productive as you like them to be, or perhaps their behavior isn't good for a team culture. What do you do? First of all, God can work miracles on a team and he can work miracles in someone's heart. Moreover, like you said, healthy communication, you have to set the standard of communication in advance and get permission. That's why the beginning of a relationship matters. I love a great orientation. That's where you really win in tough conversations Mm -hmm. is what were the rules before the problem came? Right. Do I already have your permission to get in your face, have a candid conversation? I don't care how healthy the work office is. If I don't have permission to be candid, whether it's to my subordinate or someone who's above me, it's hard to have a healthy culture without the ability to be candid. Wow. You really hit the, the hammer on the head or whatever they say, the nail on the, uh, yeah. The, point. <laughs> the work that you are spearheading to level the playing field for folks that feel like they're at a disadvantage. How do you see that happening in business in terms of just making sure that everyone has a fair shot at being a part of your company and recognizing when you have privilege and sort mm, of, uh, mm. uplifting and elevating those who don't, mm. you know, just closing that gap a little bit. That is such a deep question. When Moses asked for God's presence in his life, he asked it in fourfold. Moses asked for four things, and I'm only going to focus on one of them. Mm. He said, I cannot go without you. 
And he said, will you teach me? Will you give me favor? Will you give me glory? And then he asked for rest while doing it. Rest from his enemies, the ability to do it in peace. And glory is that victory. Glory is that winning. Like we got this. Whatever money we was trying to get, we got it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever whatever hill we were trying to take, we got it. You know, and then favor, which is the one I kind of want to highlight, is that Moses simply asked, "Will you favor me? Will you give me something I don't actually deserve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For nothing I've earned, it give it to me. No matter who you are or what disadvantage you have, you have some level of favor on your life." And at some point along your life, we have to use the favor that's on us to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how disadvantaged you are right now, there's always somebody around us. And it can be as little as if you're siblings and there's five siblings in a house, for example, and the smallest one's always being picked on or something like that. And you're the older brother or the older sister. You have to stop the bullying within the house or you even used to it as a school teacher. You mm-hmm. probably see it all the time. You've got 18, 20 kids gathered together, and there's just some that are favored with height and stamina, and there's others that are always overlooked. Mm -hmm. Just what if one of the more popular children were to take it upon themselves and say, you know what? I'm going to roll with you, man. I'm going to make you my friend. I'm going to see what's special about you and add you to in my in-group. Right. Now, because you're hanging associated with me, you're now in the in-group, and now you're the cool guy. Right. So we all have some level of ability to create an inclusive space. It starts with that first. Look at what you are advantaged with and then share that with the world. And then if you are disadvantaged and feeling that disadvantage, God will bless you. But stop looking at your own disadvantages. Start looking at what God has favored you with. Start sharing that with others and the world will always bring it back to you for sure. Wow. Sweet. Well, I want to touch upon uncertainty. As an entrepreneur, you've had to deal with lots of uncertainty. So how do you advise folks to deal with uncertainty? Well, I've had the privilege of being an investor through multiple economic cycles. By the time Kayla and I got out of college and really entered into the workforce and Kayla Fage graduate school, my first real step into the business scene was like 2006. And it was a very strong economy. Unemployment was so low. Everybody was working. All the tech was doing its thing. And then two years later, 2008, 2009, maybe for some all the way through 2013, we hit what we call the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. So pretty quickly within my first decade of business life, I'm seeing like money is like growing on trees to unemployment tripling, almost double digit unemployment rates to bankruptcies, banks folding, people losing their houses. That was the first time we start seeing stimulus checks and government literally handing out money for people to keep their house or buy their house mm-hmm. and all kinds of other things. Then you know, we kind of some stability and now who we are, I don't answer the question in a bleak way first and then go to the positives. The uncertainty we face now is inflation. For the first time, the economy is slowing down mm-hmm. But unemployment is super low. Everybody's working and everybody can work. If you want to work, you can work. Unlike the Great Recession, it was hard to find jobs. Here we are right now, we have stagnant economy. Inflation is going, things are getting more and more expensive, which was not the problem in the Great Recession. Right. But you can also work. So everyone's working, but the dollar's not going as far. You can't buy as much as you used to. 
that problem can be attached to food. And so food insecurity is going up right now. Inflation will probably continue to go up. We have the interest rates going up as well, which is going to be harder to borrow. Here's some hope. Number one is to know the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. And if you know the rules of the game, then you can react accordingly. According to the Bible, there will always be the poor among us, which means the exact opposite is also true. (laughs) There will always be the wealthy among you too. You cannot have a poor person. Right. Poverty is always defined by what someone else has, which means someone else has a lot, and then we compare it to that. Mm-hmm. So the goal is how can you stand on the side of the wealthy and be wealthy so that you can help the poor hmm. and not become the poor? Hmm. One thing I can guarantee you is there will always be wealthy people, no matter what economic conditions are. The people who are winners are the ones who know the rules of the game. With that being said, the best advice I can give you is the people who are going to win in this economy that is going to come. Are the people who own a company and under that company have land or real estate. Real estate will always be a successful play if bought with the right price and it's affordable for the person buying it. Real estate's always a great play, especially if that real estate is tied to a company that has a great competent service. And you're really good at hiring people and keeping a strong team. Mm -hmm. Mixing real estate with a competent company with a service that's really needed with great people, now you're on the side of production. People who have the side of production will always win. And they're going to be very, very, very wealthy. Wow. So that kind of leads me to my final wondering. You've given a lot to empower us through scripture and through just practical advice. Mm -hmm. But you just described something that's pretty far out of reach for a lot of people. So what tips would you give someone Mm -hmm. who hasn't reached CEO status that you're at, but has a dream, has an idea? Mm -hmm. This is the greatest time to start something new because God works in seven year schedules. Every seven years, the Lord is on a new cycle. We're on basically year one of this new cycle. I can tell you right now is the best time to start a new business. The energy is there for it. So number one, no matter how big or small your idea is, I'd say start it now. Don't wait because your idea is only going to get more and more expensive to actually do. The longer you wait, the more expensive that idea is going to be. Now to help the person who's like, man, you know, I don't have any money. I don't have any influence. You know, I don't have anything. Here's what I can tell you is there's so much capital in the world right now. Banks will lend. There's a lot of people who have a lot of money in pocket. So what you have to take off the table is a lack of money. That's not the issue. People will invest into an idea that's investable. So we can eliminate that. (laughs) Well, I've told you two things. Number one, God is for you. Right. He's ready to do something. Secondly, there's more than enough money in the world right now between banks and between investors. Mm -hmm. So really what's missing, really what's missing is what idea you have. What is it that's in your head and your heart? Take your craft seriously. Hmm. It is not easy to be an entrepreneur and be wishy-washy about it. You have to be very committed. And I encourage you to learn how to be an entrepreneur, learn your craft, take it seriously. And the last thing I'll say is you and I both love sports. We love sports figures. Mm -hmm. Almost every person who's been successful in sports 
by and large, had two things in common. Many of them were very disadvantaged and had nothing. But the thing that they did well is they were very committed and they were focused at doing something great and doing that one thing great. And they spent a lot of time on it. Stuart here, I love your Stuber road trip podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your investment of equipment. You know what I'm saying? You're taking your craft seriously. And that's what it's going to take. Whatever you're doing, be serious about it. And it will prosper. If you're competent, if you're great and you're focused, people will buy it. Nice. That is enough to carry us for the next 10 years or so. And I really... Play it over again. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> so many sound bites there and so many good takeaways. Tell people where they can find you and how mm -hmm. to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. If you want to hear more of my perspective and my company's perspective, we also have a podcast called Ignite Birmingham. It is top 25% of all podcasts nationwide. We go into economic advice. We go into business advice. We bring other entrepreneurs on. Stuart's actually been a guest on our show some time ago. We're going to have to bring you back on again. So I'd probably start you there. If you want to go to my website, you go to ux.com. That's U-L-E-C-X.com. <laughs> and I remember when you first started that idea, you had that dream of it being like the Facebook of business, right? Yes. And here we are now. We have over 2,000 what we call community partners. We have 130 market partners. We have several companies under investment now. We've grown quite a bit. Wow. So we're going to have to do another episode. And I'm thinking it would sure. be nice if we can get Kayla on and try to convince my wife, Jane, to come on. Oh, man. Put all four of us on? Yeah. Oh, we love that. I think we should probably do one focused on marriage if we get all four of us on. That would be great. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Marriage and family. Sweet. Well, thank you, my good brother. From the same mother, uh, this has been a wonderful road trip. <laughs> nice road trip. Yeah. So to all of you, thanks for stopping by. Remember, keep your head up and your eyes on the road. Thanks for listening to the Stuber podcast with your host, Stu Briggs, and my guest, Martin A. Briggs. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to jumpstart your entrepreneurial journey. I'm interested in knowing how you apply these ideas in the real world. So please follow me on Instagram at Stuber underscore podcasts. And as always, check out the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time. Today's episode was brought to you by Lorraine's Cafe, homemade, fresh, not frozen family recipes from her kitchen to your plate.